Hey, what's up, my people? I hope you're all well. As we approach episode 50, I'd like to take a moment to give a big shout to all the listeners. I feel proud to have such a diverse audience, but it's no surprise as it matches the diversity in guests. From an NFL rookie to NWSL veterans, MLS stars to EPL champions. I've really loved every guest so far, but which episodes have been your favorite? Be sure to let us know. It's kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and Twitter. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. We appreciate you. And now to today's guest. He's a friend of the show and a former England under 21 teammate. Ladies and gentlemen, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with the man that is Fabrice Mwamba. Hey, Fabrice. Jeez. How are you, man? How are you? How are you, man? Hey, what's uh, what's going on with your internet? Is, have you still got dial-up or what? What's going on? That's what happens when you live in Cheshire, isn't it? No, 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 no. That's, that's not what happens when you live in Cheshire. I know what Cheshire's like. Let's not pretend for a second, okay? Don't um, lie to the fans. Chief, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Seriously, I've, I couldn't tell you what's happening, man. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks I'm for coming on you. anyway. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. You are the first guest that told me they had to come on the show. Chief. So I'm giving I'm giving you what what you need and what you want. Let's take it like that. I think you've, you've got quite a few people. I'm thinking, okay, let's see if this my friend will remember who, how good we, what kind of friend we are. Listen, listen. <laughs> I I don't forget people like you. There are people I do forget, but I don't forget people like you. Yeah, that's the first thing. That is the first thing. <laughs> don't try to see me now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Anyway, how are you? Are you good? I'm good. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, man. I'm very good. I think the hope for today is I want to learn more about you in your career and your life. And I think the listeners, I think there'll be a great story to tell from when you, from when you do speak up. Yeah. So are you up for that? Yeah, of course. I'm up to share what I can share. Really. Okay. Well, let's begin then. I want to talk firstly about your life because one thing which I think gets neglected is the fact that you weren't actually born in the UK, were you? No, never, never born in the UK. Wasn't you, born in the UK at all. Where were you born? I'm Congolese, so right in the Republic Democratic of Congo, right in the middle of Africa. Uh-huh. So, and, and how old were you when you came to the UK? Came to England when I was 11 years old. 11. That yeah. feels late, you know. That feels so, so late compared to other people's I, I stories. Pretty, pretty late, pretty late, you know. And uh, my father, as an immigrant, came before us, uh, settled down, make sure everything was taken care of. Then I we, then I came and I joined him with him. Okay, and is it is it true when you came over you couldn't speak English? No, true. seriously, I, I couldn't. Even I still can't. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, I, all, all I know was Ned. All I know was hello, how are you? That's all I knew. Because that, that's all it was, yeah. In Congo, we speak French. Yeah. So English is just one of those languages you. In school, you, you just literally learn the hello, how are you, how are you doing? That's as far as you can go in terms of conversation-wise. Yeah. So that's the all I knew was hello, how are you? That's it. It was no more than come out of my mouth. Listen, to be fair to you, I know people who can't speak English and the words that they do know, they're terrible words. So just the hello, how are you kind of sets the tone for who you are as a person. <laughs> that, like Even if they respond and like, yeah, I'm okay. At least you like, well, I asked, you know, is what it is. Yeah. And were you... um. So you were raised in East London, is that right? Yeah, Wolfhamstow. Wolfhamstow. Okay. So what was it actually like being in that type of place, but not being able to speak English? Did you find it tough or was it okay? 
It was tough because obviously living in a council house and not much going on in terms of anything going outside, but I didn't have any friends. Uh, also, at the time we came in, we had to find a school for me mm-hmm. to go into as well. So I, I landed in England was in December, I remember, I can, if I can recall, December 1999. And just when we rang the new year, probably a couple of weeks after the new year, I found a school which was not far from my house. So yeah. it was helpful for me to to travel and to, to go to school. And as I said, it was shock of a system in terms mm-hmm. of learning the new culture, new language, mm-hmm. getting, used to, getting used to the cold weather. Um, and all in all, it was pretty difficult in 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 in, in the beginning. Put it that way, very very yeah. yeah, I can imagine because it was obviously it's a bit different for me. But I also wasn't born in England. I was born in Nigeria, but I came yeah. over when I was five. So the adjustment period for me wasn't really as tough, and especially because the national language in Nigeria is English anyway. So yeah. I came over, I was able to speak the language, and although I wasn't really integrated as such into society, yeah. There was it was still possible if you know what I mean. Like I didn't necessarily have the hurdle of not understanding what people are saying or not being able to say what I needed to say. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was different. England in the nineties was um, it was different. So <laughs> uh, so well, yeah, we, 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 people can read between the lines. But anyway, so what age did you um, what age did you join Arsenal's academy? TV, you know how like everybody gets scouted. Like everybody, I never got scouted like that. Never. Did you not? Never, so never. you paid to get on the team then? What happened? So when I was in, in year nine, yeah, the dude in my he just came from Sierra Leone. Uh-huh. Amazing footballers. And I mean the best footballer I've I've, I've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Guy came in, he had one he had he had quite a few stuff that he, he 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 couldn't do. Yeah. He couldn't because he's from Sierra Leone, so Sierra Leone they speak English and French. Yeah. But he speak more French than English. So he yeah. was in my class. Mm-hmm. So we struck up a deal. I said, I'll help you with sort of schoolwork and get to know. At that time, I was able to speak English anyway. So I knew how to get a buy stuff at school. So I said, mm-hmm. I help you with a lot of stuff at school. If you can help me. Once I knew it was meant if you can help me get into Arsenal. Is that? Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will try. Uh-huh. But... We literally like that we like we are best friend to now. Yeah. Like we we we're still good friends to this day. And uh I would I would I would do his homework. Say if like if 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 you have school homework, right? I'll do my homework <laughs> to A level, I'll do his one to B standard. So which yeah. my boy is always come past C he's always gonna join me whatever class yeah. with my sister. But we, yeah. because of that, because also he has he was so talented, Arsenal were willing to do whatever for him. Yeah. You know? And he said to me, you know, probably one day I'll take you there and then you'll see what happened. I cannot promise her. And, you know, he arranged for me to, to go training. So we're also on the train in London where my parents live. It's about 20 minutes. Yeah. So I go there extra early thinking this is my opportunity. Now, better in mind, these people, they've never seen me play. Yeah. And yeah. they never heard of me. Yeah. But I'm going in thinking that my friend from school that Arsenal uh-huh. so much has told them about me. <laughs> okay. So she, I, I yeah. woke up in that place and you see like Steve Bold, all these guys, they said, yeah. oh, hi, my name is Robert. Uh, I come to train. Like, yeah, and who are you? 
I said, Fabrice. <laughs> Chief, to this day, somehow they were convinced that they allowed me to train with them. Wow. We start to train. My friend rock up 45 minutes later. In my head, I'm thinking, wow. this is supposed to be your, like your joint. You know, this is supposed to be your stuff. Yeah. You're supposed to be here handling stuff. So I asked him, I said, Rush, you know, how, how, you never told him. I said, oh, so I asked him, do you never told them about me? He says, okay, you're already here now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you, you, think this, you think this is a book? I said to myself, like, are you serious? He's like, no, you're here now, so it's okay, no problem. But I, I, I wasn't the most gifted individual in that age group, you know? Mm-hmm. And as I said to you, anybody who in my age group will tell you Rashid was probably the best talented individual also had. I also will do whatever it takes for Rashid just to keep him. Yeah. There. And then uh, Rashid may, uh, managed to or somehow convince them, let me to stay. And they gave me a six week trial from from the back of me just turning up in there. Okay. You know? But I was just committed because I wanted to play football. Yeah. You know? And that's how that's how I started the journey at, uh, at Arsenal. And clearly you did very well. But then. When what sort of age group did you start getting call ups to the national team? Oh, um, sixteen. So when 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 uh, when I become full time, yeah, you know when you start do that YTS, uh-huh. and you start getting a call up with the age group, so you start going to trips and stuff like that. So okay, so I've got a question for you then. I've got a question for you then. So obviously your situation might have been a bit different to mine, but say for me, I so I came over in ninety one, but I don't think I got a. British passport till maybe 2001 yeah so how firstly how did you manage to be able to represent the national team at that age if you've only been over there for five years what was happened that because Arsenal got me into the academy yeah David Dean you know David Dean right yeah yeah he was able to sort that out for me wow they must, <laughs> these people like you you know these people like you it's, it's special I'm one of a kind yeah <laughs> And you know, and as well, the second part to that is like with it, because you said you're from the Congo. Yeah. But you're obviously you've lived in the UK for most of your life now. Like, when did you not feel like a foreigner? Oof. I, I always feel I'm a foreigner. You still feel it today? Yeah. As 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 much as we, I live here long enough. Deep down, you know, this is not yeah. where I'm from. Yeah. You know. You catch up with you in during a conversation with somebody where you think, because back home this will be completely different. Yeah, you know. Yeah. For so sure. deep down, yes, this this country has given me so much opportunity. I can't fall for it, but deep down, I know I'm, I'm still a foreigner. Yeah. Do you know that? Like being a foreigner, it's not it's not a weakness. You know what I mean? Like never, sometimes never. We, sometimes it's spoken about like it is, but it's not. Because it's even the same for me. I like I I sound like this, and I know the culture, and I'm embedded. But my mother and my father were born in Nigeria, raised in Nigeria. Everyone before them was the same, and I was born in Nigeria to two Nigerian parents. Like my blood is one hundred percent Nigerian. Yeah. So even though I can say Manchester in England is my home, I know where like people like me come from. Yeah. Like I know that is home. You know, and mm-hmm. it's. I've gotten I've gotten some stick in the past for people saying why didn't you play for Nigeria this that and the other and I have my story and I know why it didn't happen in one moment but like I know you know I know where I'm from like I'm proud to say that I, you know I'm raised in Manchester but 
home is different. Home is a different place. No, it's, it's completely different. I think that, that the, this is first time I went back home, 2012. It was just this is after my my accident. Couple couple months after my accident, it was completely yeah. different. We'll we'll talk about that. So don't say too don't say too much. Don't let's not get through the topic straight away, Fabrice. Relax, relax, <laughs> my friend. I will lead you. I will lead yeah. you on this journey. Okay, you don't take me. <laughs> this is my show, and you will respect me. Yes, that is right. So let's talk about Arsenal for a little bit, yeah? So you said, yeah. obviously, you snuck in through the back doors at the academy. You could but what was, like, what was it like playing in that academy at that time? And what was your style? Because I remember from my time, like, Arsenal always had one of the best academies. Like, was, yeah. is that how the experience was for you? Oh, you know what? I, I, I came in so late. Uh, they had likes of Jamie O'Hara. He was uh-huh. here of me. So there was Ryan Smith. So mm-hmm. they're like the most technical guy, but they never had somebody who can win the ball and pass it to the next guy. Yeah. I, I knew from the get-go that my game is to win it back and give it to the next guy. Yeah. So I will work on so much aspect of my game, um, work on my technique. You know, technically I wasn't the most gifted player, but I just knew I had to work harder to get into the team. And when I get to the team, I will compose myself and get... When you play against, play with better player, it makes you feel better. It makes you play better. It yeah. makes you to understand the game much better. So I have to really, I do a lot of extra work just to because what it, what is what also helped is all that because the academy is about ten minutes to my house. I yeah. could go there anytime I want to just practice. Okay. You know. Yeah, I get you. And what was um what was Wenger like for you? Was he a big influence on your career or not really? I, I I think what, 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 once I became full time, it was I didn't really train to the first with the first team Nathan, into mm-hmm. my second year as a scholar. Okay. So my first year, I never like obviously we we'll see them training the other side of the the the, the, the training ground, but yeah. you, you would never get across it. Mm-hmm. The, the first time I got across to train with those guys, it was like I felt like this is it for me. Like I, I want to experience this kind of type of training every single session. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave me that boost of, like you know, I want to become a, I want to become a footballer even more now. Yeah. yeah. And and the lights of Patrick's and and and, and Thierry, and when you train with them, they kind of they, they they just raise your they just raise the bar every session. Yeah. You want to you want to be part of every day, and that for me was like okay. You know, you're the second person to do this. Like it's easy for you guys to say Patrick and Thierry. But we're talking about Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry, you know, <laughs> like put some respect on their names. You say that stuff because they're legends. These guys are legends. And you talk about them, oh, you know, Patrick's over here, Thierry's over there. <laughs> no, that must be so nice. I, 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 I think, as I said, well, the first time I got to trend with them, yeah, the first yeah. time I got to trend with them, Nate, I went back, when the training finished, I went back to my local, to the change room. I had to call my friend and say, yo, I just trained with those guys like two days a day. Like those guys were calling my name. I mean, they weren't even calling me for me, they just called me Fab. Fab as I talk like with like, that boys. Yeah. I was so so excited. Like mm-hmm. it was an incredible experience, you know. Just amazing to be able to say I trained with those guys. Yeah, that's you know? incredible. Like I'll be I'll be honest. Like I, I I felt very privileged to play with Patrick Vera towards the end of his career when he was at City. But then also yeah. Thierry Henry was my idol when I just before made it into the first team. 
So these people, when you talk about them, like these are icons, you know, I oh, look yeah. back at that Arsenal team and those people. And that's, I could argue apart from say what City are doing now, that was my favorite era in football in my lifetime, watching yeah. them. They were, they were like everyone's second team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was, yeah, it was incredible. But anyway, after all this time, so you, you may, you, I think you've played two games for the, for, for the first team now, but then yeah. the time comes and you left. Like, why did you actually leave the club if those are the people that you wanted to play with? Ned, I, I think you got to a stage where you're training, uh-huh. you're not playing on a Saturday, so yeah. you're playing on a Monday in the reserve. Yeah. But I had a, I had a year, I played a year up already in the reserve team, so yeah. I didn't want to go for another year playing the same level again. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, the opportunity came through pre-season is to go to Birmingham alone, yeah. and it, you know you weigh up the option first of all. Birmingham, second biggest city in England. Birmingham just got relegated from the Premier League, which is they they have put they're in a better position in terms of wanting to get promoted in the same year. Yeah. But it's almost also in the pressure of playing for a bigger city. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was so I, I weigh up every option, I couldn't say no to it. Yeah. You know, and and then and it turned out to be probably one of the best decisions. Yeah, I see that. So after you left then, what were your ambitions? Just to play more or was it to try and get back to the very top again? Like, what, what was next for you? You know, I, I went in there, it was to go and prove myself. To who? And then To who? To prove myself to be, to, to see if I'm, able, I'm actually able to play against those guys, those men. Yeah. Because you keep, you, you, you keep hearing, who's that football? I just, I, I know it's, it's that slow football, it's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you go play championship football, it's a completely total type, different type of game. Yeah, for sure. But see, I want to prove myself that I'm capable to play at a championship level, if not a Premier League level. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You know, so obviously through that time now, you were a big part of the Birmingham team. They bought yeah. you. They, would they pay four million for you? Oh, sorry, my bad. Sorry, I forgot the half mil. My bad. So if we do a conversion, that's probably like around 50 million in this day, in today's money. Is that about right? I played every single game. Every, I played every okay. game. Okay, so 60 million. So you're a 60 million pound player when you go to Birmingham and then you go to Bolton for more money. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So this makes you a 100 million pound player now. Is this is <laughs> right, yeah? I wish. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but you were like, it was great because you then became a really big part of those two teams. Yeah. And you could see that you were developing, you know, you you, st- you got a call up for the under-21s. We played together Um for a, for a couple of years in there and do you know to talk about your career before we move on to other things i have two moments that i look back on in your career which which are my favorites oh let me get this and one this is you you might not you might not remember you might not know this first one you might know the second one though so the first one was when you were playing for bolton and i remember at home watching match of the day for people that don't know that's like the nationally televised like review show basically of games on a saturday yeah or it used to be anyway I remember it was Bolton versus Liverpool and you in the first half were man marking Steven Gerrard. And Gerrard was having the toughest day ever. Like he, it's like he wasn't even there. And I thought, is that Fabrice? Is that what he's really doing out here? And it was going so well for Bolton. But then I think you had a man sent off. Yeah. So you had to drop off and no longer man mark him. And then he got back into the game. Yeah. But I remember thinking to myself, like, the job you've done is one which I hadn't seen before. 
And I thought, this guy, like, <laughs> I don't think I want to play against him. I was like, okay, fair enough. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jim, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Do you remember that game? Do you remember, I remember it? that game. I really Listen, do, yeah. you, like, oh, Stephen Jarrett is an iconic player. I don't want anyone to, like, not to think that I'm disrespecting him. But I just remember in that first 45 minutes, I was like, this is a different person. This is like, Gerard's not playing. Yeah. It's like he's not there. You and know the what, second yeah, game. The, the funny thing in that game, yeah. Go on. Leading to the week, leading to that game, yeah. Gaffer was like, he didn't say anything to me to Thursday. Did he mean, listen, I want you to do a different job on, on the Saturday. Uh-huh. I said, okay, let me hear this. I said, wherever Gerard go, you go with him. <laughs> And how did that make you feel hearing that type of thing? You know, you know, you're like, uh, he said, where, wherever he goes, if he's standing on the corner, like you stay with him, regardless where he goes. Yeah, that was incredible. You know, I, I thought this guy was actually having a joke. He said, no, 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 wherever he go, you go with him. Yeah. You know, I just had to get my head, my head around it, and I said, that's it. And I was just stuck with, I was, I was stuck with him everywhere. Oh, he must have hated the look of you, hated you for forty-five minutes. During the game, he looked at me, and said to me, "They've told you to follow me," and I said, "Yeah, they've told me." <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> that was my first. That was my first memory, though, first big memory. Yeah. But the second one was one. It was a game which I played in with you, which was um, in the European Championships under twenty-ones. Yeah. Uh, oh, 2009 in Sweden and there was a game we played against Spain like it was a big game and I think yeah. who was it I think Bojan might have been playing or something who's with me in the MLS now and that game there was one of the best performances I've seen on a field in a game which I've taken part in to the point where you were flicking balls over people's heads by the end Spain they, had, they didn't know what to do and I remember after the game you had a round of applause from the team because what you did was like wow <laughs> Yeah, Jim, I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Like, you're talking like a goosebump. I swear to God. Yeah, I, rem- I swear, I remember it. I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is insane. Oh, like, God. the game you played is like you were playing, like, a game against children. And I was like, I'm so glad he's on my team. So, so glad. <laughs> uh, Jim, that was the... Uh, I remember walking in the change room and he would... Sure, set everybody down and he said, but everybody can go to that shit. But say, you young man today... You know, and he made a speech and blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow. That was one of the best. I don't know if it was the best game you ever played because I've not seen all your games, but that game there was one of the best of any team from a teammate that I've had. It was incredible. It was incredible. And I just remember thinking, like, this is is actually a joy to behold. And like you said yourself, the way that you played previously in terms of win the ball and do whatever, like, you did that and then everything else was special. That was a special, Team, special memory. Like, uh, you're, you're, you're boosting me too much today. <laughs> no, just for a second. Just for a second. Like, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, There's still... I, I, I think that tournament was the best tournament. Yeah, it was It was good. I think looking back, we should have won it. And who knows what would have happened if we did? Because we know what happened to the Germany team after they won it. Like, they... As soon they won it and you start seeing Ozil's, Kadiras, Boatengs, Hummels, Neuer's, like they all went straight into the first team after no, no, that victory. No disrespect to the, to the German lads, but I remember we played him in a group stage and yeah. he rested everybody. Yeah, exactly. And we drew one each. Yeah, exactly. But then we got to the final and we got toasted. Wow. But you know what I did when I look back? You know, what they did, especially in my position, mm-hmm. they put four guys in me. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I probably like I couldn't know who to mark, who who yeah. to go against. Yeah. You know, as I said, this is a stuff that happened over the past i think i think they played well in that game but i think we played poorly in that game and we missed we missed a few players and it's a shame who knows what could have been but also as i say it was a great tournament there's a great bunch of players i i i didn't i I didn't agree with the fact of us traveling the day before the game that long journey i didn't like that idea yeah and you know what as well for me like this is me being completely honest i remember i got taken off at half time in that game and i'll be honest like I, to this very day, in my you big old age of 33, I'm not over it because I didn't understand and still don't understand why it happened. I could, I could see you wanted to To this very life. day. If I was any older and that happened, I think I would have just been throwing stuff around the dressing room. But I was just in so much shock. Like, I can't... Yeah, that's that's one of the... It took you and it took me off too, sure. It took me off. Honestly, <laughs> it, but we, we were losing 1-0 at halftime. And he took me off, but like for he was for Mike Mancian, you know, he's a friend of ours, but but it's just another defender. Yeah, yeah. And the next thing, the game finishes four 0 so I'm on the sidelines, and the salt that I had in my body in that moment, Fabrice, <laughs> to this day, it just keeps growing. <laughs> oh, geez. like this. At some point in my life, I need to address this. At some point, but ne- for ne- now, ne- it ne- just it's getting worse. Ne- ne- next time you see him, just ask him. Single. No, there's no, there's no asking next time I see him. There's telling. That's all that's gonna happen. That's all that's gonna happen. Just know that. <laughs> oh my god! But we right, right, Fab. So we've had the jokes now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get more serious. Yeah. Yeah. So 2011, 2012. Yeah. That was the year that City won the Premier League for the first time. Yeah. And I remember I was part of the City squad of sorts in the first half of the season, but then in the second half of the season, I went to QPR. You were at Bolton. We were rivals because we were both trying to stay up. Yeah. It didn't seem like the two of us were going to be able to do that. Yeah. Firstly, I want to just address the fact that we had a goal not given against you at the Reebok, which was about three feet over the line. Do you remember that? Clint Hill scored a header. Do you remember the first game of the season? No, because I wasn't at QPR. So oh, I see I came prepared, huh? So, so you, you can keep quiet. <laughs> Give that to somebody else. Give that to somebody else. I wasn't there. I know you scored, but that's good for you. I wasn't there. All right. I couldn't recall what happened, whatever the ball. Listen, I don't know. listen, listen. All I know is that when we were playing against each other, we had a goal disallowed. And to be honest, the energy after that made me think that we were going to go down. Yeah. So we were really like that was a must win game for us against you at the Reebok. It was a must win game. But then we felt like we lost a lot of momentum and your team really had it after that. But then looking back, this is my honest opinion. Things changed for Bolton after the accident. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, what could you tell me what happened on March 17th, 2012? So we were playing, uh, I think it was a third or FA fourth round FA Cup game. We played at Wat Hart Lane, you know. So it was a Saturday evening, I think it was a 5 5.30 kickoff. And then looking forward to the game, looking forward to the game. At that time, I wasn't in a team for, for quite a long period of time. So to get back in now, you're like, okay, this is an opportunity to go and stamp on in the team and show that, you know, I'm just still good and stuff like that. Because uh-huh. I was also frustrated that I wasn't playing that much. Yeah. So to get back in the team, look forward to it. We travel and well, what usually happen if we travel to London, we usually take the train from Stockport, mm-hmm. which is outside Manchester for those who don't know anyway. So I, after training, I came home, 
I can pick up food and Shona dropped me to Stockport. Yeah. Everybody met. We all met there. We made our way down to London. Completely, I was fine. I was, there was no issue, no problem with me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Traveled down and um, spoke to my dad and everything. I said, as a usual preparation, we we had our normal routine check and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. The next day, again, we went for a pre-team walk. Did that and then they went back to the hotel, get changed, prayed and went back, you know, got in a coach, head, 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 head to the stadium. Again, no, no sign, no symptom whatsoever. Uh-huh. Now, go to the stadium as you usually do. You drop your, your wash bag, go to look at the pitch, just have a feel around the place, you know, see what's this. I don't, I don't know why people do that anyway. I just feel like you're going to come out here. Hey, yeah, it's just it's a pointless tradition. Pointless tradition. Yeah. You, know, you know, we went there, we did it. Again, there's no, no problem. During warm up, no issue whatsoever. You know, the game started. Keep playing. I, I missed a great chance, I think, before my accident. Then I came back in the halfway line. So if, I, if I'm standing by myself, I look somebody in front of me, mm. almost like they become double of them. Right. So my, my vision become blurry. I couldn't see people properly. You know, and then out of nowhere, I just literally, boom, fell down. That was the, the last time I was able to play football again. And I will get to this. I'll get something in a second. But when you finally came around, like, how did you feel? What were your first thoughts? I just felt like I, I woke up in a, I'm, I'm, I woke up in a hospital. I'm going to go home and I go back to my normal life again. So you didn't feel, did it like, did you feel in pain? Like, what? Were you confused? Nope. What, what nope, did you nope. feel? Obviously, when you wake up, you, you, you just you got so much wire going on. Mm-hmm. But then a couple, a couple of hours later, then there's less wire in you. Yeah. You're like, well, what's going on here? But nobody want to tell me anything. Yeah. You know, because there's the severity of it. Do you know, after, have you watched it back? Yeah. And how does it make you feel today, if you were to watch it back today? Oh, I'm grateful. You know? Yeah. And this, like, this is obviously a very loaded question, but like, realistically, so for people that don't know, so you had a cardiac arrest on the field in that moment, yeah? Yeah. But how can we be talking today when that happened to you and your heart stopped for 78 minutes? How does that, how is that even humanly possible? I think the almighty up there was looking out for me, you know? I, I, was, I was fortunate enough that that day, Nate, I had... I had um, two two doctors from two teams. Yeah. I had the ambulance, which was 30 seconds away from, from probably 10 seconds then from, from where I was. Yeah. I had a cardiologist who was in a stand watching the game. Yeah. I had my dad watching the game at the same time. So all, all, all you know, I had a group of people there at the right place at the right time. And when the accident happened, they all came together. Yeah. And they all worked together in order to get back to where I am. Mean. But with all this going on, like I don't, I don't know medicine. I, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I never probably will be. But why didn't they give up on you? What kept them believing that you'd come back around? I, I, I don't know, Chief. I, I wish I knew the answer, but I just feel like they just kept going. You know, that's like, it's, it's crazy. I remember, like, this is this obviously isn't about me, but I just I remember the, where I was when I found out that was happening because I was in London as well, playing for QPR. Yeah. But I was in a yeah. restaurant with my wife Lucy. And I got a notification on my phone and I just burst into tears. Like I'm crying mm. my eyes out in this 
restaurant because like we just played in the championships maybe two years previous we're friends you know we're close yeah. or whatever and then i was just i was stunned this isn't something that people ever see in their lives more often than not and then to, for it to happen to somebody that you know but then also for who you are this is me blowing smoke up your backside again but for the people whose lives you've been a part of the yeah. people love you so when people think they're going to lose you that moment of sadness didn't just affect say the people who are on the field it's it almost felt like all of english english football yeah people have such fond have so hold you in so much high regard you know and i can say for me having been able to get close to you and spend time with you like i, I don't even remember the last time i cried but i was crying i was just at a restaurant just just crying people must be looking at me thinking this guy has lost the plot completely but yeah you know to hear you come out on the other side like that changed everything but then also you know after the event how do you how do you feel looking back now thinking that you thought to yourself that you could still come back and play does that seem really naive do you look back and think what a silly guy or what, what do you think because if you can come from that situation and what's playing there's nothing yeah you know but just probably five years ago i was still waiting to get a phone call said we found a way to cure your 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 condition yeah you told me that you could find a way. Please let me know. I'll be the first in the queue. I say, yo, yeah. wrap, wrap me up so I'm good to go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know? But then my health is more important than anything. Yeah. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yes, because you love football. Yes, you, you love the idea of coming back and playing and everything. But it's almost like... Yeah, shout out to Shona. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's brilliant see this is the real life podcast you know what i mean we don't pretend this is real life we don't let it get in the way <laughs> uh, yeah as i was saying i, I think it got, got to a stage where i, I had to see the three best best cardiologist and if any of them can tell me we can irregular we can make your hobby more regular yeah then i'll be good to go but it just wasn't meant to be you know, and to be told that you have to stop playing football for an injury that I don't have no control of, yeah, it's painful to take. Yeah. You know, I, I could recall having a conversation and I cried, I just couldn't stop crying, yeah. And I, and I remember somebody asked me to go and watch a football game, I couldn't even, I'll go to watch a game, mm-hmm. but you know, when the player come out of the tunnel and line up, yeah, I could do that, yeah, I couldn't wait, I wait for the to everybody sat on a stand and everybody ready to play the big whistle then i'll go in and sit down yeah because that was just too much to bear and are you still like that now no i'm over it now so what is it then that really changed your mentality and made you able to be able to accept that what has been taken away is what it is and you can move on with your life i mean as 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 you as you as you you grow up and you start to see things different (laughs) you have to enjoy what you have you have to you have to be grateful. Yeah. But then also in hindsight, it could be a lot worse than what it is now. Yeah. So do you sit down and dwell on the past? Yes, you have an occasional moment where you watch football, you think, I wish I was still out there. Yeah. But that's just, that is life, you know. Mm. So there's so many people who went through the same situation as me and yeah. never come out of it. Yeah. I've been in there and I come out of the tunnel. So I should be, yes, obviously you have, if you're upset, Right. I should be grateful and 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 just enjoy life for what life is. Yeah, and after you 
you were more at peace with it then what was it that you decided to do next and why did you decide to do those things um i decided to go home for the first time okay went back home uh, it was great to see family i've not seen it was great to just go back where everything started you know just to get a feeling back home and um and then and, and after that me and shona got married as well at the same time mm. which I, we were engaged in february yeah so in october i say i just told you like listen there's no point because nobody nobody knows what's gonna happen next year or the year after yeah but we'll just just you know get it done out of the way so we got married and then and obviously i, I had a few uh adventurous stuff in terms of doing strictly come dancing all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, you kept, yeah, that slides under the radar, doesn't it? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you know, went back in, study, go back in, did a media course, business course. Yeah, so I was able to get back on that side of it much better, and uh, got done my coaching budget and everything. So just been um, working for the PFA ever since the waiting. Yeah, so you say you've got your coaching badge, but what's your like long-term goal then? Do you want to be a manager? Do you just want to be a coach? Do you just want to work back in like a big football team again? Like, what what are you after? Dating, you know, as a footballer, the next the best probably the next, one thing I realize the next best thing after still playing football is to be coaching. Yeah, and I think I'll be naive. I'll be it'll be wrong of me to tell you now. No, I don't want to. I don't want to be a manager. I, I you want to be given that opportunity. Yeah, at whatever level, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's there's knowledge in here. Yeah, because I I've been to so many academy and I looked at thinking I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> you know that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. But it's just like do you want to be given opportunity. Mm-hmm. Do you you know you say this and it seems like you put you're laying the foundation, but it doesn't sound like you're that desperate to build the next stage like if it sounds like you're saying if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't like do you what do you really want to put everything behind what do you actually have a significant like end goal which you'll do anything to to become i i, I want to be a coach i've got i've done all my qualification i've got i've got, I've got it all i spent time in different clubs are you apply are you applying for jobs though all the time i have applied for jobs okay all right well, cool. Well, when you uh, when you do find a coaching role, remember like, remember who your friends are, but then also don't call me because I don't want the job. Okay, all right. Madam, you know Go what? On. Between me and you, yeah, and the listeners. If, if Pep can bring everybody from Spain to come to work for my city, ah. basically go to Congo to get whatever I can get to bring about to England to work for me. Well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> although that's a very very good point, I don't think it's something that people want to listen to. But it's a very, very, it's a very, very it's good point. It's a very, very, very good point about double standards. But let's not get cancelled just yet. All right. Nah, I, just I, yet. I, I mean, like, if it has opportunities out there, I'll take it. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I look forward to seeing you doing it anyway. So realistically, now I have one more question for you because I do appreciate that you have boys running around your house and stuff you need to look after so after everything that's happened and where you're at in your life right now like how do you feel looking back at your career 
Because for me, it feels like you were just getting started. But how do you view it? Are you at, are you at peace or are you not? I'm I'm at peace with it now because when I look my journey, I lived most kids' dreams in England. Most kids in England want to be a footballer. Yeah. And my family, my my dad wanted me to be somebody as African parent. They want you to study to be a doctor or somebody in some kind of business. Mm-hmm. But the little talent that I had. I worked hard in it. Yeah. I was able to become a footballer and live the dream. Yeah. And that dream was cut short for whatever reason. But I'm at peace for it because I was able to do what I need to do either at European stage, national stage, but I'm at peace with myself. Yeah. I've, I've done it off. I've done it for my boys. If they want to do it, I'll yeah. listen, they go ahead do it. Yeah. But deep down, Yes, and I, there's no hard feeling in terms of no regret. I've, yeah. I've done it. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, just to close now, even after everything that's happened to you, you still have one of the biggest smiles in all of English football, and it's still contagious to this very day. So thank you very <laughs> much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's so, so, so good to speak to you, my man. You know, yeah, you I hope the missus and the kids are okay, man. Listen, I'll be coming down to South Manchester to see you in 2021, yeah? Make sure you're ready. Yeah, what, you staying over there? Or what's happening? I will be seeing you in 2021, so you just make sure you're ready, okay? No worries, I can't wait to see you, 2021. You too, take it easy, bro, take it easy. Yeah, thank you, thanks, Chief. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. His story really is one of what could have been, but also we can never take for granted the ability to write a new chapter, as nothing is guaranteed. So thanks for listening. And to close, I'd like to show some love to the media manager, Skylar Warwick, the producer himself, Mr. Ryan Hale, and finally to Mountaineer Studios, Draper, Utah. And listeners, be sure to stay safe and stay tuned. Words, words, I'm saying words.